Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit Warfare podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers. And as you know, each week, twice a week, I bring you brand new original military histories. But once a week, I like to delve deep into the History Hit archive and pull out an episode that needs some more attention. It just so happens that on this day, October 13th, 1943, Italy declared war on Nazi Germany, one month after Italy had surrendered to Allied forces. So I wanted to bring back an episode with Paul Reed, who who tells us everything we need to know about Italy and the Second World War. He's a man whose expertise know no bounds, and he tells Dan about how Italy was perceived as being the soft underbelly of the Third Reich, but quickly became known as the tough old gut. We hear about those initial invasions of Sicily, Operation Husky, and Operation Avalanche, the landings at Solano, which were, of course, the first major D-Day-style operation on European soil. Now, my granddad, Ted Rogers, was a sergeant in the Coldstream Guards. He served here, so naturally this is an episode I wanted to bring back to all of you. And if you look closely, you'll see that Ted is leading his men in the photo for this episode, leading them through Italy. But now, here is Paul Reed on Italy and the Second World War. Enjoy. Paul Reed, thank you very much for coming back on the podcast. You are the man who knows more about the Second World War than anyone else alive. So it's uh, we've come to the right source. It's an absolute pleasure to be back, Dan. Thank you. Um, now, tell me what was going on today, uh, 75 years ago today, on the 3rd of September 1943. Well, 75 years ago today um, was the first proper invasion of the European mainland. I think if you ask the average person when did we arrive in Europe in the Second World War, they'd probably say D-Day. Um, but the reality was uh, British, Commonwealth, um, American and Allied forces landed on this day in 1943 um, on the toe of Italy and then a few days later in Operation Avalanche at Salerno, which was the main landings really to push towards Rome. And just give me the brief backstory. What on earth were they doing landing on the very southern tip of the toe of Italy, on, in the very southern extremity of southern Europe? I mean, how, how had they ended up there? Well, the uh, campaign in North Africa had come to an end in May 1943 with the surrender of the Africa Corps. The Allies thought, what can we do next? Um, they were not in a position to make a proper landing in France. The, the American belief was that the only way to defeat the Nazi regime was to land in France, go to Paris, you get Paris, you push on to Belgium, you get Belgium, you get Holland, you get Holland, 
and you've got to weigh into Nazi Germany. But that wasn't possible in the summer of 1943. So the compromise was to try and come in through the back door. And Winston Churchill and quite a few commanders um, believed in this idea. Churchill called it the soft underbelly of the Third Reich. That's what um, Italy was to him and, and indeed others, that you could come in through Italy uh, on a second front um, make your way up through Italy, up through Austria, into Germany that way. Sounded easy. Soft underbelly of the Third Reich. Well, by the end of the campaign, the veterans called it the tough old gut. And that campaign would then go on from today right the way through to the last day of the Second World War, but more on that in a second. What what was the... Talk to me about the, the Sicilian campaign, because that was fascinating. The, that, that was the first invasion of Italy, albeit um, one of the islands. It was, because... Although they uh, decided upon an invasion of Italy, from North Africa it wasn't possible to do that directly. There wasn't enough shipping, there wasn't enough aircraft that cover it, so it was going to be a two-step operation. Go across the Med, capture the island of Sicily and use that as a staging post to go for the Italian mainland. Landings at Sicily, they were in July 1943. Uh, the British and Commonwealth troops arrived on one side of the island, Americans arrived on the other. Some quite tough fighting uh, in the in the island of Sicily in the in the countryside, but you begin to see the beginning of a rivalry between Montgomery and Patton. Uh, perhaps they focus a bit too much on that rivalry, and that allows German forces to get away across the Straits of Messina. And although Sicily is captured, it's not entirely the complete success they'd hoped for. So from Sicily, they then prepare themselves to launch into Italy proper. Can you give me a sense of? the scale of the operation. I mean, by this stage of the war, it's it's obviously nothing compared to the amphibious fleet assembled for D-Day a year later, but are each of these operations kind of getting bigger and, and, and are, are Allied planners, logisticians getting better at carrying out these kind of amphibious assaults? Absolutely, because um, essentially we think of D-Day as just the 6th of June 1944, but D-Day is a generic military term for an operation, and certainly in terms of Allied forces in the Second World War, it's usually an amphibious combined arms operation. And there have been one in North Africa, Sicily was the next one, and Operation Avalanche, the attack on the invasion of uh, Italy via Salerno, was going to be the next one. Um, and they are learning from each operation. At Sicily, they dropped glider troops too far out and gliders crashed in the sea and many men drowned. When you go to the Casino Memorial now, you see men from the Border Regiment, South Staffordshire Regiment on there, um, who died, sadly, in the sea as their gliders hit the water rather than, than land. So lessons are being learned. There's always a cost, a human cost, a physical cost, material cost, but lessons are being learned, and all these lessons build up um, as the operations take place. And Operation Avalanche at Salerno is the first really big, proper um, D-Day style operation that, that the Allies uh, carry out, obviously on the European mainland. And what what is the balance between airborne and and um, amphibious? I mean, most of these troops arriving in Italy by by ship, and or or, or there's a pretty significant airdrop as well. No, they, they decide against that. There, there was a plan to drop 82nd Airborne, for example, American Airborne, near to Rome uh, to try and meet up with partisans and potential forces that might be sympathetic to the Allies. But um, 
thankfully that plan was never put into operation because looking at what eventually did happen, those men would have been isolated, surrounded, destroyed, taken prisoner. It, it wasn't like D-Day where you were using significant airborne forces to capture key targets. They looked at Salerno. It was a perfect bay uh, with perfect ground. There was no Atlantic wall in Italy, so it's, it's not like France uh, or Belgium where there's all these defences along the coastline and you've got to start to work out where you can land. Um, the, the choosing of Salerno was more about logistics, about the ability to take aircraft from Sicily across to the beachhead to protect it and bomb German targets and then shipping routes that could be protected. Um, they couldn't land any nearer to Rome. That was the prize. Salerno was the compromise. And the idea was, if you look at Italy, it's this big elongated country. It's got a couple of coastal roads on the Mediterranean flank, mountains which are effectively impassable, a couple of roads on the Adriatic flank. And on this day, essentially 8th Army forces landed on the toe of Italy to advance up the Adriatic front. And on the 9th of September um, at Salerno, 5th Army troops under General Mark Clark landed there to move up the coastal roads following the Mediterranean coastline to head towards Rome. And the idea was both those sets of forces would sweep up the German troops in Italy, the soft underbelly, push them through, take Rome, get up into Austria, and the war will be over by Christmas. Oh, well, perhaps not Christmas. If you love ancient history, then don't worry, we've got you covered. I'm Tristan Hughes, host of the Ancients podcast, the podcast for all things ancient history. And these are the only surviving boxing gloves from the Roman Empire. And the earliest surviving boxing gloves for over 1,600 years. So through this material, we're actually looking at this entangled sum of hundreds and thousands, in fact, of stories of life across ancient Eurasia. Baths of Cleopatra. I had never come across any such thing before. Subscribe to The Ancients on History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. And we should say that the situation in Italy was changing rapidly, the political situation, because Mussolini had effectively been removed from power whilst the Allies' troops were, were invading Sicily, hadn't he? Well, well, that's right, yes. I mean, on the eve of the landings at Salerno, effectively, Italy split between uh, forces that were sympathetic to the Allies uh, and forces that remained loyal to the to the Germans, most of which moved up into the northern part of Italy, But and the Germans effectively then took control of Italy as a satellite nation, whereas before it had been an ally, uh, part of the Axis. Um, so there was this curious situation in which we were about to invade a country which technically was now about to become our ally as well. Um, and uh, and that made perhaps some men going into Salerno, and indeed some commanders, believe that it was going to be a bit of a walkover. Yes, we should say, what what sort of opposition... You mentioned there wasn't, there wasn't much opposition to the second landing. What, what kind of opposition was, was met with today? Very little, very little, because there, there were no proper defences there, and the Germans had not concentrated forces there. The Italians offered only a small amount of, of opposition. Um, the German plan, really, unlike D-Day, where they intended to kill Normandy, where they intended to kill us on the beach 
And if you look at the way defences, and I know you've been there many times, the way the defences are set up, it's about destroying an enemy force on the beach. Don't let them land. Destroy them as they land. In Italy, they didn't have the luxury of that because there were no prepared defences. There was the odd minefield. There were bar bits of barbed wire, a few machine gun nests, um, some old towers that we'd describe as martello towers, which could be used as a defensive position and indeed were, but nothing like the sort of infrastructure that you'd expect. The German plan in Italy was to let us land, move into a beachhead and then hit us from every direction with counterattacks, artillery, from the air, whatever, and then try and destroy us and throw us back into the sea. And, and as the Allies advance inland, how successful is that German strategy? Um, well, initially, reasonably successful. When you look at the operations uh, in, the, in the southern uh, toe of Italy, um, there's not a lot of opposition there. Troops land and they begin to move towards the Adriatic coast. Operation Avalanche, uh, Salerno, um, is a different proposition. You've got three separate Allied formations that land there, two British divisions, the 46 and the 56, both of whom were veterans of uh, North Africa and uh, some degree to uh, in, in terms of the Sicily campaign. And then the 36 Texan division, American division, uh, to the uh, to the south. All of these under the command of, of Mark Clark. The British troops land um, and they bring up a lot of artillery and they use naval bombardments to keep the Germans at bay as they move inland. There is heavy fighting, but to the south where the Texan division goes in, um, it, it's much more of a difficult proposition and they encounter very, very stiff resistance there and suffer quite substantial casualties to a point where Mark Clark begins to waver and thinks about actually pulling men off the beachhead. But gradually the British get more of a toehold. They do link up forces and the Germans are pushed back. And that's when Kesselring, commanding German forces in Italy, decides we aren't going to be able to stop them on the beachhead. So what we're going to do now is use the Italian countryside, the terrain, to slow the Allies down. And we'll do something like we did in the First World War. We'll build a defensive line and we'll stop them dead in their tracks on the road to Rome. And that defensive line became... You and I have been on that defensive line. We've done some archaeology on that defensive line. We got very drunk on that defensive line, but and it became synonymous with the fighting sort of with Monte, Monte Cassino Absolutely, uh, yes. monastery. Yeah, the Gustav line, that's right. So that's being prepared to join up the Mediterranean coast via the mountains to the Adriatic coast. So this big, long section cutting right across Italy... A prepared defences of a First World War style, and we encountered that indeed in that archaeology with bunkers, machine gun nests, mortar pits, trench systems, dug-in tank turrets and so on. Um, all of that was being prepared. Meanwhile, as the Allies pushed out of the Salerno bridgehead, the Germans blew every bridge on every river, uh, used mountain passes to slow us down, used the terrain to slow us down, and the rivers. Italy was a campaign of river after river after river. I mean, we should talk, Paul, about the fact that Italy was invaded and dropped out of the war kind of on the same day today, 75 years ago. It's a bit of an odd one you've mentioned. Um, Germany, therefore, had to, had to effectively occupy another country, previously its staunchest ally. Um, at, at the same time, it was fighting the Battle of Kursk, one of the greatest tank battles, one of the greatest, largest battles in the history of the world on the Eastern Front. I mean, what does that tell you about the German army's ability to organise itself and conduct 
operations you know, in, in different theatres simultaneously. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It's remarkable, but I think this is where you begin to see the real turning point in the war because the Germans can't sustain this. Troops are being pulled off of the Eastern Front as the Allies push further and further into Italy to come and stem the tide of the Allied advance, just as Stalin and, and the Russians wanted. Um, so they're beginning to be stretched thin. And when we look at the success in Normandy the following year and that 11 months of the Northwest Europe campaign, we can never see that in isolation. You know, we, we must remember uh, what was going on in Italy was vital to tying up German forces there that could have been deployed to France or Russia. And what was going on in Russia was equally vital to Italy and, and eventually to Normandy as well. So this combined Allied effort, as remarkable as the German army was, um, and its ability to put troops everywhere and fight well, it was stretching itself to such a thin line that you could argue that the outcome of the war was almost guaranteed. You've met with and, and conducted, taken veterans back on battlefield tours on countless occasions of Italy, Western Europe, many other places. What do the veterans of the Italian campaign tell you and how, how do they differ from what was going what would then happen in in northwest europe was there was there a similar or, or a, a different sense of what they were doing there and of the dangers they faced um i think that they feel forgotten um the, there was this lady astor came out with this phrase d-day dodgers um it's, it's something that you know my father was a veteran of the italian campaign and like you say i've taken many veterans they wear that phrase as a badge of pride uh, in many respects um but what they will tell you is just how tough the Italian campaign was. It was a tough, tough battle in Italy, not just in terms of the German troops they were up against, which were often of a very high calibre in terms of ability and equipment, but also tough in terms of the physical terrain in which they were fighting. Nothing like uh, was experienced by British and Commonwealth troops, for example, um, in northwest Europe fighting in um, the mountains, fighting in positions where you can't dig in because it's so rocky, fighting in really extreme cold, terrible mud like the First World War, like Passchendaele and the Somme, um, and then this battle of the rivers, river assaults, forever crossing rivers, seemingly endless rivers that the army had to make its way across, which is why, you know, you look at the history of the Royal Engineers, the published history of the Royal Engineers in the Second World War, separate volume for bridging in the Italian campaign because it's such an important aspect of what they do. Well, Paul Reid, thank you as ever for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.